Hey, party people. Welcome to the Messy Hallelujah Podcast. I'm Katie. Each episode, you're going to hear me talking to one of my friends about their stories. I hope that by the end, you'll feel like you're one of our friends too. Here at the Messy Hallelujah Podcast, we're all about telling real stories, talking about real faith, and getting real messy. So pull up a chair, put on your comfy pants, and get ready to get messy. Hey friends, I cannot wait for y'all to hear our episode today. Today we are talking to my new friend Kayla and her journey of surrogacy. She is the first person outside of a Lifetime movie that I've ever met that's a surrogate mother and I promise you this is one story you don't want to miss. But before we jump into the story, I have another little favor to ask you. I would love if you could go on and subscribe to our podcast and give it a rating. When you subscribe and you give it a rating, you help us bump farther up that podcast chart so that other people can hear these amazing stories of messy hallelujahs. So go ahead, give it a little subscribe, give it a little rating. I promise it'll be easy and take just a few seconds. All right, well, now that you've done that, let's jump in with Kayla. Hey, Kayla, I am so excited to have you on with us on the Messy Hallelujah podcast. Hi there. Girl, I'm so excited to have you, and I think this is going to be super duper fun, and I'm super excited to hear your story. But before we do that, tell me a little bit just about who you are, where you live, all the things. Sure. Um, I live in Idaho. Um, I am native Idahoan. I am a stay-at-home mom. Uh, I've got three kiddos, uh, 11, 9, and 3. And uh, my husband and I have been married for 15 years. Um, We actually met at the ripe age of 14 at uh, the church Bible camp. Yes, Bible camp romance. Yes, that is us. I love that. that's you. <laughs> we are kind of, yeah, that's kind of us. We're kind of homebodies. Um, we love getting together with family, um, but we just live for a good movie night on the couch. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And what is your husband's name so that I don't just re- yes. refer to him as your husband the whole time? Yes. Thank you. Uh, it's Sean. Sean. Okay. Awesome. Yes. Sean yeah. and your three kiddos. Okay, so before we jump in, what yes. is your favorite movie to watch on a movie night? Oh, man. You got me. Oh. Some of the Marvel movies. Mm. A good Harry Potter movie. <laughs> um, so you're like an action. It sounds like you're an action kind of gal over here. No rom-coms for you. I'm definitely more an, an action movie. The rom-coms don't come as naturally for me. <laughs> That's okay. All we watch is documentaries and like things about serial killers. So we, we are just an odd little crew over at our house. So, You're brave. Um, well, it's mostly like lifetime movies, you know, so it's like not really real. Okay. And yeah, my husband just laughs right. at me because he knows from the beginning who did it and then tells me he makes me really mad. Yes. Anyway. Don't spoil it. I know. He's like 30 seconds in. The like credits just started rolling. He's like, oh, he did it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, come <laughs> on, babe. Stop telling me these things. So Need we don't a watch mystery. a lot of movies. <laughs> exactly. We don't watch a lot of movies together for that reason. Uh, well, Kayla, your story is one. You are the first person that I've met. It revolves a lot around surrogacy. And yeah. you are the first person that I've met that this has been a part of their story at all. So I'm super excited to talk to you about it. So let's just dive in and start wherever you feel like your story really begins. Yeah, sure. Um, I actually am just like you, where I had never had anybody in my personal circle that uh, had done surrogacy or been a surrogate mother. Um, I had met a surrogate mother, and I loved the way that she... I was 
paid for daycare. Um, Girl, because so, daycare is no joke. Right. It is and expensive. I've, I've never personally had to experience that, but I have heard that it's, you know. From your girl that has, there. it's pretty much like the whole, your whole salary just goes into daycare. So right, right. I totally understand. Right. Exactly. So um, looking for different ways that um, I could provide for the family, but also still be the home care for the family. Mm -hmm. And I had already done some uh, multi-level marketing stuff, and that did not work out great. Um, <laughs> I cannot be trusted alone with a credit card. <laughs> Listen, we've so, all fallen prey to one of them. Not and listen, if you're listening right now and you are a successful MLMer, yes. you go. But your girl right here has joined like 18 different things, being like, <laughs> this is the next thing. And then I end up with all this stuff that I don't really yeah. need or want. So if you are rocking the MLM life, proud of you. Do yes, you think? <laughs> because I know people like that. So good for you. Um so I did a little more digging and, um, you know, the, the gal that had been a surrogate back in my memory, I kind of thought, you know, maybe there would be a way that I could become a surrogate mother. Um, I had my two kiddos. I had great pregnancies. Um, we were done having kids and I really liked being pregnant. Um, my husband didn't want any more kids. So I was like, you know, maybe... I could be good at being a pregnant person. <laughs> a professional pregnant person. That's exactly right. And it would also provide me being at a job all day, but also it exactly providing for my family in the home nurturing mm -hmm. care that I had expected or had desired to have. But um, so I started doing a little bit more digging in that. And like I said, I had never known anybody who had done that. So I didn't have a lot of answers directly available to myself. So I just did a lot of like internet searching and, um, bringing that before the Lord and tr really trying to, um, get a feel for if it was a good decision to step forward, if that would be something that he would say yes to. Um, so there just seemed to be open doors all the way through. Um, I, had a friend who actually was friends with a gal who ran a surrogate agency. And so I got in contact with her and got an application going and just the door started flying open at that point. And there was part of me that I was like, Oh my gosh, like this is actually going to happen now. <laughs> and what did Sean think about this? Great question. So I had, he and I had a very serious conversation about what we were very um, firm on, what we were okay with supporting, um, what we desired as a unit in going and joining in with another family and helping them build their family. Mm -hmm. um, so he was all for surrogacy. Um, he and I butted heads on a couple of different family matters of what a family was. But in my final desires, it was between a man and a woman who was married to help them have a child, a biological child on their own. Um, so, I mean, not on their own. You know, but, but for their own. I get what right. you're saying, girl. Right. Exactly. So, um, what my desires were, Sean was all for it. Okay. And because correct me if I'm wrong, the way that you would have done surrogacy is it was not actually your biological child you were carrying, correct. correct? It would have been the egg from the, what do you even call it? I guess the biological mother, whoever yes. was. Okay. And then the sperm from the biological father. Yes. Those and terms then, are used mostly okay. in reference to um, the contract. When the contract is drawn up, they get very rigid and kind of right. less. Well, that's how it is in the adoption world. There's a okay. lot of, um, you know, a lot of terminology that you okay, use yeah. like um, before, a, before papers are signed for an adoption it is an expectant mother. And then once papers are signed, she becomes the birth mother. But like, so okay. I wanted to make sure I was getting those yes. um, terms right. So 
And then you're carrying literally somebody else's yes. child. Okay. Yes. So it wasn't and like y'all were having conversations about, it wasn't right. like you were going to have a child the running Abraham around. and Sagar, Hagar style, you know, yeah. we're not, <laughs> not going that route. And, and that was actually, you know, that was another huge question that I was like, I have no idea what surrogacy looks like. Like, yeah. what are all the ins and outs of that? And so, um, there are two different types of surrogacy and there's gestational surrogacy where, um, you are just the carrier and it's all their bio stuff. And I can't remember what the other one's called, but you can donate your egg and, and be the, um, biological mother and the carrier, uh, uh-huh. which I, that was obviously out of the question for me. Mm-hmm. So all the doors are flying open. You got hooked up with the surrogacy agency, which I didn't know was a thing. So I'm learning yes. so many new things already. Yes, there you and go. I'm assuming you got um, accepted. I did. I walked in there with flying colors and I was actually really surprised because um, I had also just found out that I had celiac disease. Mm. And so I didn't know that kind of, that word kind of looks a little scary on paper. So <laughs> But girl, now everybody's giving up gluten. So, you know, you're just, you're just one of the, you're just one of the many now. Trendsetter. You're a trendsetter. Exactly. (laughs) And so does it work that, um, after you were accepted that the surrogacy agency does a family choose you or is it like your match? How does that work? Um, great question. Um, I may not be, I may not have the clearest answers on all of that. Um, but it is from what I understand, she took my application and she said, I think I have a great family in mind for you. So we'll be in touch with you in a couple of days. Mm -hmm. And I knew that, um, I had as much say in choosing a family as the family did having a say in choosing me. So we actually did, um, we had planned to do like a phone conversation to kind of get to know each other a little bit better. And, and then when you walk away, you get time to decide if you are a good match together and um, what your all, all of your desires are across the board. Cause there's a lot of information mm-hmm. to talk about when you are pregnant with somebody else's child. Yeah. Um, it, it's a long-term relationship because there are lots of families that say they become part of the family. The surrogate carrier became part of their family and vice versa. So um, it is, there's a lot of hard questions that have to get hashed out kind of right at the beginning. So mm-hmm. um, from what I understand, my experience was, um, yes, the agency goes and starts to pair their um, families with surrogates. And so how did y'all's story work? Was it the first family that you had spoken to? Was how keep keep us rolling down this yeah, yeah. train you go, girl. <laughs> down the yeah. hill? I don't know. You definitely absolutely. Um so we actually ended up choosing the first family that we had a phone interview with, which um may have been kind of surprising because I was informed of both of their ages when um, I left, when I had gotten together with the surrogate director, um, agency director, she said, I think I have a great family for you. Um, both of the, the mother and the father, they're a little bit older in age, but I think that they would be a great match for you because of my um, faith beliefs and what to do um, regarding in utero. Um, so Mm -hmm. we decided to, we liked the first family that we had a phone interview with. So we did end up choosing the first ones. And so how did the rest of that process go? So the surrogacy overall, is that what you're? Yeah, I guess like, because I, again, I've never been pregnant, but I can just imagine all of the conversations that you're having with this family as you are literally carrying their child. Um, and how just, did y'all get along from the get go? Was it like you yeah. were going to doc, they were going to doctor's appointments with you? Like, were they checking sure. on if you were eating sushi in or not? You know, what? <laughs> Right. So um, actually, the um, contract is very extensive like that. Um, Talks about, you know, I had already had my 
my own pregnancies where I was like, you're not supposed to eat lunch meat. That's not happening. I'm eating the lunch meat. And um, so I'm, I'm maybe lazy when it comes to self-care. Um, so with somebody else's child, I was like, I'm, I'm following the rules. I maybe still had coffee every morning, but I, I was not doing the sushi. I was not doing the lunch meats and stuff. Um, so the contract was very thorough on what you can and can't do. Um, so we were having um, conversations through email about twice a month. Um, we, Sean and I did feel like we hit it off really well with them. We loved that they didn't have any children. Um, this was going to be their first child. And I just, for being a mom, I was just so excited to bring that gift to somebody mm. who had empty arms. And, um, you know, people would talk about how, what is that like being pregnant with somebody else's kid? That must be so weird. And I was like, it's like being pregnant with your friend's baby. Like, you know, when your friend is expecting a baby, you're just so excited for them. So I felt like my emotions didn't cross over and start to get conflicted with like, oh, I'm pregnant and I think I love this kid. <laughs> um, so we were having conversations about twice a month. Um, they're general, you know, how's your week going? Um, Thanksgiving's coming up. We're going to have some pumpkin pie. So everything through the um, surrogate pregnancy was great. We really enjoyed um, having this family as new friends. Um, they did go to a couple of doctor's appointments with me, kind of the important ones, like um, a couple of ultrasounds. But other than that, they were really hands-off. Um, the wife worked um, and the man was retired. Mm -hmm. And so it was hard for the wife to be able to um, find the extra time to join me for a lot of the doctor's visits. So she just came to the most important ones. Yeah. And this is kind of when the messiness of your story truly begins, correct? Correct. Actually. So girl, let's just get into the mess together if you don't mind. Yes. I love that. So the baby was born. Great. We sent her home with hugs and loves and was happy to see. It was really amazing to see the joy on a new mom's face who had been waiting for that for so long. Um, I just was ecstatic for her and I couldn't wait to see the years to come and what was going to happen for their little unit as they walked away. Um, so a couple of months down the road, I get a phone call from the surrogate attorney that let me know um, the father had actually committed suicide. Um, oh my goodness. So that, that kicked off um, the, what was going to be the beginning of a very long ride. Um, so with his death, um, it kicked into gear a bunch of legal things that weren't finished because in the state of Idaho, when you give birth to somebody, you are legally their mother. So there is actually um, a terminating of rights mm -hmm. after the child is born, um, which I had gone to court to go do. And I thought that, you know, my legal ties with this child were over. Um, when I got the phone call about the father's death, I was also informed at that time through the, um, sorry, I want to make sure that I don't confuse the terminology, the surrogate attorney, when she let me know the father was dead, um, that it was making things in a very legal, uh, very difficult way because the father becomes, the father is the like anchor to how the child becomes adopted. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, it's all very technical. It is. It legal is jargon. Yeah. It is, and I get a little mixed up in there, but 
the father is like the anchor for how the child gets adopted. And so he was out of the picture. Um, the What ended up happening at the same time as the father's death was um, the child was taken to foster care. Um, and the mother was in the, um, how's, what's the word that I want to say, in our... I don't want to say mental hospital. It, it is when yeah, you're having she was a having hard some, time. Yeah, she was having um, some just like probably really emotional and mental yes. difficulties, which yes. I, we all would have if our husband had just yes. taken his own life. So yes. Correct. So there was some um, things that were reported to me as to why the baby was in foster care and the mother was in the mental hospital here in town. Um, as of today, it's hard for me to look back and say that those things are a hundred percent true because is known to not be trustworthy. So I, what I do know as truth and know as my story, I hold very loosely these mm -hmm. days. So anyways, um, that the father's death kind of kicked off um, the beginning of what became my messy hallelujah. Um, my main concern was for the child. Mm -hmm. um, she was two months old. I think wow. at the time that that happened. So I was still very, I was still, still very fresh from coming off of being attached to her. Um, I didn't know where she was. I didn't know who she was with. Um, I didn't know how to be involved. I didn't know if I should be involved um, since I had already signed away my parental rights. Um, the attorney had talked to me and said, I will let you know if I, if we need you at all. So I just kind of got to have this tragic news told to me. I walked away with this heavy weight walking around and I just tried to keep living my life. Which um, I'm sure was super difficult just saying, hey, this happened. Okay, talk to you later if we need you. Right, exactly. And I, I've never been involved in legal stuff. I... I've never seen parents have to, you know, have legal things happen between their children in a courtroom setting. I, I've not ever been a part of that. So to say, hey, guess what? We might need you right in the smack middle of this, but I'll just let you know. So um, my maternal instinct started to kind of kick into high gear, and I was really concerned about um, – how I could be helpful to the baby. And I really, I was so confused why they didn't call me to care for the baby. Um, I think that doesn't really work in the here and now we need emergency parents yeah. in right now. Um, so because even happen. though you were, and it's funny cause you weren't bio, you are not biologically her mother, yeah. yes. but you birthed her, but yes. you also are not a registered foster mother at the time. Correct. And so Correct. All of these things that they probably look to of like, you technically aren't family, but correct are, wow, that is, that is loaded. You're exactly I feel bad for right. that caseworker that y'all's file landed on their desk. They're probably like, what do we do with this? And that's actually, yes, you're, you're absolutely right. They didn't know where to place me. I actually ended up having um, the caseworker's phone number. And so she and I were in contact a little bit. But um, they wouldn't tell me where the baby was at because they, they didn't know where I fit. And, you know, it's a minor and it's very legal. And so you don't just hand out that information. So it took a long time before um, I was brought into that circle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, in, in um, the way that events went, um, things did not go well for the mother. Um, she also ended up taking her own life. Mm. Um, and after that happened, I really felt that that child was my sole responsibility. 
Um, I didn't know the foster family. I didn't know what was going on in that aspect. I actually ended up becoming pregnant with my third child right after the news of the father's um, death because I realized that things must be very dark in this world for somebody to be able to do that. And as somebody who believes in God's grace, I felt that it is um, a responsibility of ours to be able to shine his goodness and his light in this world. And I just told the Lord that I need another child to be a warrior out in this world for you. And I became pregnant right away after the father's death. Mm. And so it was two months after the father's death that the mother also um, took her own life, took her own life. And um, so and I was just put a little pause right here just to say, if anyone's listening, um, that it feels this way. I really believe in mental health deeply. Like I think uh, that mental health is sexy. So go and see counselors if you need to. And just what um, grief must have been a part of his world that they had just gotten the thing that they'd always wanted and still that he was in such a dark and sad place that that was the only choice that he felt like he could make. So if any Absolutely. of you are listening right now um, and you know feel that you need help, go get it. There's nothing wrong with that. It's actually the best thing you can do for yourself. So just want to put that out there. Absolutely. A little PSA about mental health and yes. its importance. I, I appreciate that. I got my own little um, story here in just a minute yeah. about that. Um, so after um, the mother was no longer with us, um, my instincts to protect that child were in full swing. Um, I hired my own attorneys. Um, I told them that I would like to get custody of the baby, but also I couldn't raise her. Um, my husband and I had to have a very hard conversation, a very tear-filled conversation about what this child's future might look like and where we fall in that. Um, and so we decided that it was best for our family to not take her on and adopt her. Um, we did want to try to get custody of her, though, and do a private adoption. Mm. And I actually, I learned a lot through this whole process of that terminology of private adoption and um, adoption out of like foster care and things like that. Um, I didn't, I don't think that I really grasped, grasped the differences between those two things yeah. at the time because I was just so overwhelmed with all the tragic events that had been happening. Oh, absolutely. And if that's a world that's foreign to you to be thrown into the middle and have to learn that really quickly. I mean, I've just been in the adoption world. We started our adoption process uh, a little over a year ago and just, you know, thinking back to like what I knew then to what I knew now, oh my gosh, I thought I was so educated on Google and I knew yeah. Yeah. absolutely nothing. And so I can only imagine in the midst of like crazy trauma your maternal instincts kicking in. You still had hormones probably pulsing all through your body after giving birth to this child that now is not with you. And then you Absolutely. get pregnant again. Girl, yes. there is so much <laughs> happening. So exactly. did you end up getting custody of her? We did not. Did um, not. The judge was very unhappy with me. And I actually, I had my own personal struggle of trying to decide if that was the right choice for me as a surrogate to come forward and say, I want to reinstate my parental rights mm -hmm. because I was afraid that that would open the door. If my case went through in the way that I wanted it to, it would open the door for um, injustice, unjust yeah. ways for surrogate mothers to come back and take biological children from people. And so I, I did, I did really wrestle with, is it okay if I step up again and say, we want to reinstate our rights just to turn around and do a private ad adoption. Mm. Um, so the judge was very displeased with me. Um, she actually gave me a little scolding right there in the courtroom. Um, 
uh, one of the most petrifying things that I've ever experienced to go to court like that and um, do something that nobody has ever seen before. Um, one of my attorneys had let me know um, when, in law, I guess this is how things go. In law, when there is a strange case, they say it's case by case. So they tried to take other relatable cases that may have some similar aspects. Um, and one of my attorneys let me know that they couldn't find anything that matched my case. So I was basically the very first case of my kind. Mm -hmm. um, so the judge was not pleased. Um, she's, she denied our request for um, custody. Um, and so the baby stayed in foster care and basically the, our court hearing ended. Um, there was a lot of legal things that happened during that hearing that I was not paying attention to. I was <laughs> just trying to keep my eyes open and look like I was present at the time. Mm -hmm. um, but no, we didn't get custody of the baby. And so she continued to stay in foster care. And the question of what's going to happen with this child um, continued to be on the front of everybody's minds because she was such a unique situation. She she didn't legally belong to anybody. Um, she didn't have any family to step up and take her. And, um, you know, there were conversations happening within our four walls between my husband and me that were very difficult. Um, they were repetitive. They were the same conversations over and over about why is this child so important? Why do you think that you need to be in charge of her? Why do you think you need to plan out her future? Um, and I, I had let my husband know that had this, this series of events happened a year out from the baby's birth, that things would have been a lot different because all of those legal things would have been in place. She would have had aunts and uncles and family and stuff that would be coming in. And um, the, the child actually would have been legally adopted at that time too, but it just the timeline of how everything happened, none of that was mm. in place. And so every person involved in my story, we were all learning what to do all at the same time. And did that just feel, just sitting back and listening to y'all's yeah. story, and I can only think that you're, gosh, that was so hard on your marriage, but I'm trying to imagine on your mama heart too, of, yeah. and a heart that like follows the Lord is to have all of those things fall into place. And then there's this like open window of there's this child that could be yours to parent, but also knowing that it's not the right time for your family. Yeah. How did, gosh, how was your heart doing at this time? <laughs> um, it was really conflicted. It was really conflicted actually when I, um, one of the first times that I told somebody that I was expecting my third child, um, I was just a tearful mess. And I told that person that I was so ashamed. I was so ashamed that I was able to get pregnant with my own child with, without even blinking. But here's this other child whose life is in limbo of, you know, their future. And I couldn't do anything about it. I couldn't be that child's mother, but I can be my own child's mother. And mm -hmm. I just, um, a lot of confusion there. Um, I was excited about having my own child, but also I felt a little like um, I didn't deserve that. <laughs> yeah. I know. We, we tell ourselves some crazy things when we're going through hard things like that. And so um, that I was really conflicted. Yeah. And at this point, after um, you were not awarded custody and they weren't sure where she was going to go, what, what was the next step for her? So... Um, I got all the information kind of secondhand. The foster mom and I had actually started a conversation. I'm sorry, not conversation. 
relationship, my, the foster mother and I had started a relationship where we were um, texting and visiting each other more. So I was able to start to see that sweet little baby. Um, and so I would get information secondhand from her of how hearings were going and what plans were looking like. Um, and at one point, the foster family really wanted to adopt her. Um, the judge was not having that. I don't know what exactly happened with that side of the story. Um, but there was maybe some shady stuff going on inside the courtroom that um, wasn't exactly protocol. I don't know. Mm. Again, I was hearing some things just secondhand. What ended up happening in the end, um, an uncle ended up being able to take custody of her. And that went through somehow. He lived in a different state, so he actually had to become a foster parent first. And I'm not sure all the qualifications or ins and outs of why he had to do that. Um, so him and his wife ended up having to do foster care in order to adopt her. And mm -hmm. that may be because she was a foster kid that but she was in the system already. Right. Maybe. Every state's so different too. That's yes. like some of the weird parts about adoption and foster yes. care. Is every state's laws are so different. Right. Exactly. And so some of the mm, things that were happening inside of the courtroom, I may be a little bit fuzzy on those details because it is hard for the crossover for the different states like that. Yeah, and you weren't part of all those conversations because you had already been taken out because the judge said that you didn't get custody. Correct. Yes. Yes. And so she um, ended with her uncle. It was her biological uncle. Um. So actually, <laughs> that's part of the wonderful um, mystery of my story is um, it's unclear of her genetics, of her biology. Um. We, we are pretty sure there aren't any genetics from me, but um, that was another twist in the case as to why everything was so strange was um, after the death of both the mother and the father, it became evident that neither, of, neither one of them were biological to the child. That was rumored to me. Wait. So... <sighs> And uh, listeners, you and I are going on this roller coaster together because I intentionally tried to not know too much of the story. So, th uh, <laughs> then who, how, again, I know about surrogacy from a Lifetime movie. So, this there you is go. all I got. Um, <laughs> then who, how, right, right, become Bird, pregnant. Birds and <laughs> bees talk here. All right. Um, so, from what I know, um, the baby was an embryo. We did go down to um, the state that the parents had originally moved from. They had a fertility clinic that they were working with down there. And so we went down there and we got implanted with the embryo. And so in our contract, it was stated that um, the mother and the father were both biological. Um, <clears throat> and so we had no reason to not believe that. Right. Right. So after the deaths of both parents, um, again, like I had told you at the beginning of this, um, the information that I do have and that was told to me, I hold loosely because I don't know if the source was terribly trustworthy. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's what I had started to hear rumored was that, um, neither of the parents were biological to her but what ended up happening was that it was both a sperm donor and an egg donor got it yeah and this might be a um not fair question to ask but like sure. how confident are you on like percentage wise that that little girl is not biological to you percentage wise um that's a tough one. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of a number. 
I've never thought of it percentage wise. So I'm trying to think of a number or however you feel it doesn't have to be a number, but sure. Um, I, when I was denied custody, I tried to talk to my attorney and see if it was smart to try and do, um, like a DNA test. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And my attorney basically said, do you think that she's biological to you? And I was like, I, you know, she lived inside of me. So I, to me, it just kind of made sense to try and (laughs) make sure, just basically make sure that that wasn't the case. Right. Otherwise, I think that the case would have been totally different. different. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So, um, from what I was told with the child being from donors, I had to believe that she wasn't in any way biologically mine. So I've just always told myself there's no way that she is biologically mine. Oh my goodness. But here, did you get this information that her genetics were not even what you thought before she was adopted by her aunt and uncle after? Okay. I'm sorry. Let me try and I knew about the possibility of her not being biologically related to either of her parents after the death of the father. Okay. Okay. So it was fairly early on in the story. Um, but again, the source isn't right. really reliable. No, I don't know. Gosh, but okay. So all of this is occurring. All of the things are happening. Yes. Girl, how is your faith doing? How are you doing? I mean, this is, and you're pregnant. Have you had your third child at this point? No. Okay. I don't think I was alone probably with these listeners that when you said I had three children and I did the math in my head at the beginning. And as we were going down this road, I was like, oh, the third child is definitely the child that you were, that you carried for this couple. And then you got pregnant. And then I was like, I don't know what's going on at all. So I'm just coming along for this ride. Yeah, sure. Everybody else. Sure. Yeah. So, um, it's definitely a roller coaster ride. Um, could you say your question? Oh yeah, girl, I can. Um, just how was your heart doing? How was your faith doing? You were still pregnant and was the case kind of closed once she had been, um, adopted by her aunt and uncle was the case kind of closed at that point. So yeah, let me give you a little timeline on that. Um, my relationship with the Lord, um, again, very confused. Um, I actually pursued surrogacy just um, hearing him say, um, this is good for you, and I, and I want you to go forward with this. And I really weighed um, what he wanted me to be doing because I had lots of voices on either side of me. Um, my mom was actually one of my first people to tell me don't do surrogacy. Um, and I had peers, you know, people who were backing me saying, it sounds great. Um, you know, what a great thing to do to give a child to a family. Um, and so I didn't want to just hear what I wanted to hear. I really wanted to hear from the Lord. Um, so after the child was born and all of these curveballs were being thrown at me, I just went to the Lord and was kind of asking why, why did you have me step into this when, when things were going to end up this way? Um, I have been a believer since I was five years old and I've just always known the Lord is good. God takes care of you. Um, live for the Lord. And so when I walked into this storm and the waves are high and the wind is blowing and I just, you know, I had never experienced anything so devastating and, and at the same time felt so sure that the Lord had told me to go into it. Um, and so my relationship with him was very um, sketchy at the time. <laughs> I just tried to keep saying, I know you know best, but this doesn't look good. 
Um, so with the timeline, um, when I got pregnant with my third child, my third biological child, um, was the beginning of the events. And by the time that my third biological child was born, everything had kind of settled. We knew that the uncle was going to be having custody of her. She was going to go live with him in that state. And we, um, my son was born May 11th. Had to double check there. <laughs> May 11th. And um, we went and got to see her one last time before she left um, for her new home um, the first weekend in June of 2017. Hmm. with a very fresh newborn and some fresh hormones yes all yeah all in tow that's absolutely true so um it was not entirely the end of my story I um you know we kind of licked our wounds and I actually we ended up selling our house um which I just the Lord just led that again. Um, I really struggled with depression. Um, I needed to go see a counselor for the first time in my life when I was pregnant with baby number three. And I, I had never done that before. I didn't know what that looked like to go and sit on somebody's couch and just, Mm -hmm. you know, bear your life before them. And, um, and that was a very scary place to go and try to get help. Um, But going to a counselor was one of the best things that I did at the same time. Um, It gave me tools to know how to do everyday things because I was, I was drowning. Um, I felt like a child. Meanwhile, I'm pregnant with a child and I have two little people looking at me to provide for them on the daily and um, I just, I, I didn't know how to be present for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so we ended up selling our house, um, moved into my parents' basement. They were so gracious. Um, I think that there was a part of them that was really excited to be able to provide a, um, a haven for us after everything that we had been through. And really, they really took us under their wing. Um, so yeah, my, my youngest was born May of 2017. And I didn't do meals or dishes for the year and a half that I lived with my parents. Ugh, praise um, the Lord it for was that. just glorious. And I know it started to get hard on them a little bit, but um, I know that it also was their ministry. It was their heart to provide that for me and my family. And that time of being restored and um, really doing a lot of soul searching with the Lord at that time was very needed. And, you know, we had done this white knuckle ride on the roller coaster and then it just ended. And it was really difficult for me to walk around with this secret story in my life that um, on one hand, everybody in my life knew about it. But on the other hand, when I would go places that nobody did know about it, I just felt like um, a thumb that stood out in a crowd. Like I just felt like everybody could see this shame that was just all over me. Um, And so I really needed that time at my parents' house to um, get my feet back underneath me and be cared for instead of the one caring for others. Mm -hmm. Um, And during that time, the Lord and I had a lot of late nights being up with the baby and doing a lot of question asking. And um, I understood that being a follower of Jesus doesn't mean that you walk out into the storm and he just protects you like a bubble. It is that we believe that he is going to um, provide for us, even if it is hard for us. Sorry. 
I'm having, I'm losing my train of thought here. <laughs> oh no, you're doing, I lose my train of thought on the daily. So don't worry. Um, I think, yeah. And when Jesus calls us out in the storm, he also calls us out into it and doesn't just provide, but promises that he'll be next to us yes. in that process too, which doesn't always make the storm easier, yes. right? It doesn't make any of the waves smaller, but I think that it, when you're in the middle of it to be like, okay, I'm not alone in this. I'm not alone in this. I'm not alone yes. in this can just be maybe some that ease that just makes the day a little bit easier. Yes. Yes. And I, there was, at some point I realized God, God was kind of distant from me. Um, he allowed me to experience all of that hurt. And so there was just kind of like, I know that I, I love the Lord, but I don't really like him right now. I guess it's probably a good way. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, Gosh, that's so, I don't think I've heard it said that way, but I think that is so true of when you're going through a hard time of knowing like, Lord, I love you, but right now I'm really pissed at you because this is not very fair. Right. And it just, it just was really surprising. I just thought, you know, here I am walking the path that I know that I want to walk and, you know, he brings and just sides sideswipes you and you're like, okay, what just happened? That wasn't my plan. Um, but I didn't realize for a long time that it, um, it was his way of strengthening my relationship with him. Mm. Um, because I just, I stiffed armed him for a long time. Like that hurt God. And I don't want to be around you right now. (laughs) Um, and in the end, with bringing my questions to the Lord, and um, I really understood the battle of keeping my relationship with God was really the at the heart of everything that I experienced. I really believe that um, the enemy tries to either steal your treasure or distract you from your treasure of God's grace and your relationship in him. And I was almost ready to give that up because of the pain that I had experienced. And after I realized it was just a great scheme to try and get me down and not trust the Lord anymore, um, I was able to say, well, not today, Satan, that's not happening. <laughs> and, and I did understand how I belong to God and being a part of his family and being a child of his, he loves me and he disciplines me in training and he teaches me how to love him harder and closer and not let that next storm take me by such a surprise. And, you know, my faith is just stronger in him when I have walked through that first trial. Mm -hmm. I think I was listening to this podcast today. Um, It was an adoption podcast and it was about a woman that she had adopted her daughter from Bulgaria and she was 14. And so it was really, really hard because there was, she had a lot of behavior issues and their bond was not easy, right? Like she said, she had to wake up every day and remind myself, I love her. She is my daughter. I love her. And she said, but our bond and my love for her is so much deeper because it's a daily work that I have to do. And I think that's sometimes true for us when we have these storms that, and we have those seasons where we have to wake up and remind ourselves about the Lord. Like I love the Lord, even if I don't like him right now. And I know that his plan is good, that I think it makes our faith so much deeper and our love for him so much deeper because it is a daily work. Yes. And we don't take it for granted of how easy it is. Because I think before the season of mess that we've walked through, I just thought it was supposed to be easy. Like if, (laughs) yeah, I thought being a Christian was just supposed to be easy. And now I realize that it's not. And that deepness of walking with the Lord through these hard things just makes my faith and my love for him that much greater. Yes. Yes. Um, I actually 
was understanding that as a Christian, as a Jesus follower, um, he tells us right in the gospels to take up your cross daily. And what does the cross mean? You know, it's, it's dying to yourself. And we, we just don't understand that that is truly what that means is to be able to lay down my desires and my life in order to follow him better. Cause that doesn't sound fun. <laughs> you, don't want to do, you know, sometimes I like read that and I'm like, my cross is probably giving up diet Coke, you know, like that's because <laughs> that sounds like a cross. I want to bear. That sounds like an easy one, but I think, gosh, that's just been such a, um, reoccurring conversation for us as a family, for the Brown family in here is that, um, that hard is not bad. Like, yes. And you say that I love that. I mean, I have to tell myself that every day that like heart is not bad. And I think we also lie to ourselves as Christians by saying that when the Lord calls us into something that it's going to be easy because he called us into it. And I just, it's just not true. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, I was reading through Matthew sometime earlier this year and I came to the passage where Jesus is tempted by Satan. And I know that story. I've grown up knowing that story. But the first, this was the first time that I realized that it had said um, the spirit led him there. He was led by the spirit to go to the wilderness. And that was where he ended up being tempted. Um, So it really spoke to me in my story, how it just answered that um, I felt the Lord saying, yes, do this and go because I say it's good for you. And then the storm came up and side swiped me and the question of why was there. And um, it's really because he's the Lord and Mm. he is able to um, take us through those hard things, holding our hands. And he wants to do that as our father. He wants to refine us to be more like him. and it, Jesus was able to do it. Um, we know that we also have that strength to be able to come through too. But I think the really cool part about that same story is that when he got out, even though the Lord maybe called him to go out there, that the Lord was not the one that was tempting him too. Mm-hmm. Like, I think mm-hmm. also we see the really hard things and we're like, oh, the Lord did that to me to bring pain or to punish. <laughs> or, and that's just not true. The Lord brings no, good. Exactly. And it was Satan that was tempting him. But the Lord allowed him to go out there. And now this is the the gospel of Katie, right? So don't read too into (laughs) this if you're a theologian and listen here. But I think that the Lord had to bring him out there to prepare him for just the harder things that Mm -hmm. were going to happen. You know, Mm -hmm. like Jesus knew his life was not going to be easy. And this was Mm -hmm. just something I think to prepare him for what he had to do. And maybe it made it that much easier or a little bit easier when he eventually went to the cross, you know? So that's what I have to keep telling myself is maybe the Lord allows these temptations or not temptations. Maybe the Lord allows these trials because it's going to make something just a little bit easier or whatever he has for me. That's greater, a little bit easier in the future. Yeah. Yeah. So Man, this was so so good to t- literally kill. I feel like I went on a just went on a roller coaster. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm, I'm exhausted. Feel a little just nauseous. From, just from listening with you, girls. So I can only. I realize I say I can only imagine a lot. I guess <laughs> I'm trying to think of something new to say, but what you felt like. Yeah. So as we're kind of like wrapping up, I always sure. ask the same two questions um, to my guests, and the first yes. one is. Maybe someone that's listening, their messy hallelujah looks different because I don't think there's going to be anyone that listens that has the same as you, right? they're in the middle of their first messy hallelujah. What would you say to them? Something that I think I really struggled with because as I experienced um, my traumatic events, I realized people have traumatic events that are maybe not on such a grand scale, they're still just as detrimental in that life. Um, And so for me, something that I would love to go back and tell myself at the time is be gentle to yourself. Mm. Be easy on yourself. I feel like um, we're we're our toughest critics. And um, we 
expect more from ourselves than we would say a girlfriend, you know, you, you hear your girlfriends going from through this hard time and you're like, Oh, you know, just be easy on yourself. But when it comes to us, we talk harsh to ourselves and we expect us to push and push through and be all our normal self. So that is something that um, I wish I would have figured out a little bit earlier in my mm -hmm. story is to just just go easy. You don't have to be doing everything like normal. Oh yeah. Like to think that you have to still be, I remember doing this of like, okay, but I was, I used to work out six days a week and I used to eat all this healthy and I used to do all this and clean the house and do that. And I remember, um, my counselor was just like, okay, you used to do that. Yes. doesn't mean you have to do it right now. Right. And just gosh, to give yourself that grace to say, it's okay to take a nap if you need to. Yes. And it's okay yes. if your kid eats SpaghettiOs out of the can for dinner tonight. Absolutely. Like, they be good. It's all we right. We lived on frozen waffles and frozen pizza for a while. and Girl, frozen pizza is good. <laughs> yeah, it is. And I was like really craving an Eggo the other day. So that, that sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> And if someone that's listening loves someone in the middle of their messy hallelujah, how can they love them well? Um, I'd like to say show up. I'd really like to say I, I'm usually the person that's like, oh, I should really go take just something to that person. It doesn't have to be a full meal. It could just be a mug with, you know, tea ready to go for their next um, morning. Um, show up. Do the thing that you are thinking would bless them because doing that, you have no idea how that is going to give them the hope that they need for that day and for the rest of their week to carry on. Um, people used to ask me, um, just let me know what I can do. Let me know how I can help. Well, when I was in the middle of everything, you're just so stunned and confused about everything. I didn't know how to delegate specific things to people. Mm -hmm. um, I had a friend say, she texted me one day and she said, let me come do your dishes. I said, great. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it still is one of the most impacting things that happened during that whole season was my friend showed up and she did my dishes for me. And, um, so that's something that I think, and I try to strive for now having come out on the other side of, um, experience like that, show up and just yeah. do the thing that you are thinking would bless somebody. Absolutely. And I think anything to help bring them rest. I loved hearing you talk about what your parents did for you. And that was a super grand gesture. I'm not saying we all have to let people yes. move into our house for a year yes. and a half, but I think that the Lord helps us so much in times of rest. And so if yeah. it means that you come over and do your dishes for someone so they can just rest for 30 Absolutely. minutes, like I think the Lord just honors that. And we don't allow ourselves to rest well, I think as women, yes, mothers, just, I think just in this culture in general, we're not very good at resting. It's absolutely true. Yeah. Well, Kayla, if someone wants to hear more about this story, um, little segue here <laughs> for you, you actually did something very exciting with this story. And what was that? I was a surrogate mother. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> with the story of the surrogacy with your, with your, yeah. um, the, your book. Oh, yes. I get your eye wink now. Okay. You see? Uh-huh. You get my uh, eye wink. <laughs> I got She's you. like, Katie, did you not just listen to me for the last hour? I was a surgeon. It's late at night. I'm not sure what your, your winking is <laughs> all about there. Um, I did. I, I wrote the story into a book. And um, as it happened, you know, wave after wave, it just the new unexpected, everything was just jaw dropping. And I, every time something new would happen, I was like, this has to be a story. It has to be a book because I had never seen, um, such traumatic stuff happen in a faith filled person's life. And, um, I felt so alone in that. I didn't know how to tell the people around me, the church going people around me, um, what was happening inside of our four walls. And 
I think that we do that. We just kind of close down with our experiences and we feel a little bit of shame mm-hmm. with what we're going through. Um, and I just thought we need to be bearing one another's burdens in, in these hard trials. And sometimes we don't know how to do that. And um, so I turned it into a story that maybe will help somebody have courage to be able to stand up in their own story and say, listen, you know, maybe it's to their best friend, maybe it's to somebody in their church, just say, this is what's happening in my four walls right now. Yeah, that's awesome. And so what is it called and where can people find it? Sure. It is called Shattered for His Glory when hope was born. Um, and it is available on Amazon. And I will put that in the show notes so that you guys can go um, right to it. And if people maybe want to connect with you individually, um, where can they do that? Um, Instagram is um, where I spend a lot of my time <laughs> trying to um, ignore, you know, die to myself on that. Um, <laughs> on Instagram at Shattered for His Glory. Um, and also, there is a website. It is author Kayla McKenzie.com. Awesome. And I'll put those in the show notes. Awesome. Too. Well, Kayla, this was so awesome. Thank you so much for taking some time out to tell us that your wild story. Um, and it was just so good to talk to you. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Did I not tell you that was a story that you did not want to miss a story that could have been a lifetime movie. Maybe one day it will be. So if you are interested, go and give Kayla a follow, check out her book. She just sent it to me. It's great. I promise you're not going to want to miss it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. As always, if you have a story of a messy holiday you would like to share, girl, boy, whoever's listening, hit me up. I would love to hear it. You can find us on Instagram at Messy Hallelujah Podcast, or you can email us at the Messy Hallelujah Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, stay messy.